It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Inbound comes to Hill. Down one. Eight seconds to play. Gobert sets the pick. Hill works behind the colleagues. The pick. Attacking colleagues nine. Tough. Step back. Left side. Short. Gobert kept it up and in. Jazz win. You are locked on Jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 13th of April, a playoff edition. Facebook Live, Locked On Jazz, with your questions, your thoughts. Plus, we break down the rotation, so we look at where the Jazz are coming from and what they have ahead of them against the L.A. Clippers. It's all coming up next on Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. It is Locked on Jazz. We are underway. Playoff edition of Locked on Jazz. Have we ever had one of these? We have, actually. In the six years we've done this, we have been to the playoffs. But we are here again. Playoff edition of Locked on Jazz. Love it. Sorry, we are getting... The volume is too loud. I'm probably yelling and screaming and too fired up or something of the sort. So I'm fiddling. Don't worry, I'm not getting knocked out by by guns. It's a little bruise. Not a big one, just a tiny one. Uh, if you didn't hear the story, it's embarrassing. Uh, but I was broadcasting last night. I stand when I broadcast. Um, they shoot those gun, those T-shirt guns. They come out with good miles an hour. I've, I've texted people to try to find out what, what speed. I'm getting no answer. I was not paying any attention at all. I would think I was looking down to see how Gordon got hit. And all of a sudden, it I just got hit by something. I had no idea what it was. I toppled back. I had a chair behind me, so it was now like the little kid game where someone pushes you. And I went down. So I think I said, oh my, OMG. Uh, headset went flying off. We went to commercial break. People thought somebody had been shot in the building. It was just me with a TV gun. Okay? Or not with a TV gun, with a T-shirt gun. So that's, that's the story. Um, it's really, really funny to people. I have... I'm I'm coming slow to the humor. It was kind of un, it undid me a little bit, uh, and it hurt. Uh, so I was knocked out by a t-shirt. My wife cannot stop laughing about it. She thinks it's the funniest thing she's ever heard in her whole life. She just she 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 can't stop at all. All right, we're gonna break it all down for you. We'll get this. Uh, uh, kind of a bunch of numbers for you. I haven't dug into the Clippers yet. That'll be tomorrow's show uh, for you. I'm hoping possibly to get on the phone with Ron Boone, with Matt Harpering, maybe a moment with Craig Bowlerjack, with Thurl Bailey. Um, so somebody just said on the bottom, I thought Hayward had passed out. I was pretty relieved it was just you. Sorry. Yeah, I would be too, actually. Uh, the uh, and, and then 
Lori just uh, asked me if I got to keep the T-shirt, and the answer is no, I didn't keep the T-shirt. It actually ricocheted hard enough off this melon right here, straight back. It hit me so squarely that it went straight back the direction it came, about four rows down, and some guy got it uh, from there. So that's the story. The, you know, the other one, if I'm just going to continually make fun of myself, is my good friend Dave Softy Mahler, who used to host – the uh, or host the afternoon drive at KJR and Seattle. He used to be a co-host. He used to make fun of my forehead. I can't believe I'm telling this story. He used to make fun of my forehead, and he used to tell, say all the time, "You could play a drive-in movie off my forehead," which I, you know, I really appreciated from Dave. It was a good, mature way. Um, evidently, you cannot play a drive-in movie off my forehead. In, instead, what you can do is you can hit it square with one of those T-shirts enough so that there's enough surface area on this thing so that it shoots straight back uh, at people. Uh, all right, so that's enough of that. Let's start the show. Uh, I'm going to really a lot of focus on questions. I've got some interesting numbers. I'll try to break down the series for you. Uh, tomorrow's show, though, truly, uh, which will be really early because I'm actually, I actually have a funny one. I'm flying to Vegas tomorrow because my daughter has a golf tournament there. So I'm taking her through her practice round, then renting a car and driving to L.A., um, she does not need any help from me caddying or anything like that, but at 12 years old, the practice round is still something where dad can be at least a little helpful. So we'll do that. And it's kind of an unfair tournament for her because she's playing against like the 15 uh, best kids and some 15 of the best, not the 15 best, of the best kids in the Western United States and a few from Texas, and she hasn't played 18 holes yet. It's nice of me to put her in that tournament. So anyway, uh, she understands. She's, she's ready for 15th place. The, um, so I'm going to do that. So the show will be very, very early tomorrow morning because I think we fly out at like 730. All right, where am I? Maybe I'm not okay. Maybe I have not recovered yet. Uh, today's show does have a sponsor. We like sponsors. They're very nice to us. They keep this show going and make it worth our time and our energy, and we appreciate them very much. And as often as the case, at Shamrock Auto Group, who've done such a, such a nice job uh, supporting the Thursday edition of the program, uh, Shamrock Auto Group. I would uh, remind you, Blue Apron, the promo code is L-O-C-K-JAZZ, J-A-Z-Z, for three free meals. SeatGeek, the promo code is L-O-JAZZ. Guy just bought playoff tickets with that, and you get a $20 rebate. Uh, so on both of those as well, and I'll tell you a little bit more about Shamrock Auto Group in a second. All right, I'm sorry. We're five minutes in. I haven't gotten to it. Uh, pins across the world. Let's do a quick one. I got a nice one from a woman last night. So she says, ladies need to represent. So let's represent Jamie Cheney says, choose a woman for pins across the mirror. I love your program. I listen to your podcast every morning on the treadmill as I train for marathons. I'm from Murray, Utah. My love for the jazz started when I was eight. My grandma took me to a jazz game. My grandma, who is 93, is still a fan, taught me everything about the jazz and the game of basketball. Throughout junior high and high school, everyone knew how much I loved the jazz, and I would get mocked if they had a bad game because I would be in tears the next morning. Growing up through the Stockton Malone years was great. I read the hoop. I knew all of every player. I knew every player, their families, their wives, their stats. I love to follow the jazz and love that my kids are starting to get into it. The jazz jerseys are not optional in our house. Most importantly, I want you to know that although 90% of your odd listeners may be male, this female loves the show and the Utah Jazz can't wait for the playoffs. Go Jazz. Run, Jamie, run. That is... I'm so fired up. We're in the playoffs. I love it. Yes. 
I got to admit, part of what I love is the deep dig prep. I just cannot. Like today, someone asked me to go skiing today. I was like, nope, I'm working. I'm digging in. Deep dig prep. We're going to know everything there is about Chris Paul. We're going to know what he has for breakfast. All right, let's get to it. Uh, last night, good win. Great way to finish the season. 51 wins. Don't get the home court. We need to stop relying on the Sacramento Kings as a um, as someone who can win, help us win basketball games. That would probably be uh, something we should start to avoid for the future. The that is, it has not worked for us two years in a row, and we probably should stay away from that. Maybe take care of business on our own. Here's what's really exciting to me about last night was the rotations. The Jazz last night, Quinn Snyder finally threw out some rotations, and I, I don't know what he's going to do about Rodney Hood or Joe Ingles starting. I don't know what he's going to do about Boris Diaw, Derek Favors. I can kind of give you some ideas on it, and I'll get to that in a second. But more importantly, what I saw last night is just gets to be really exciting. So you start digging into our five-man lineup groups that don't include Dante, don't include Trey Lyles, don't include Jeff Withey, don't include Alec Burks, which are, don't seem to be – Dante's in the rotation kind of right now, but let's leave him out. And, and, and these groups are really, really good. You know, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, Gordon Hayward, George Hill, Rodney Hood is actually negative for the year. It's minus 3.4. But you know what that really means? That means it's been outscored 298 to 293. The defense of it, it just hasn't been able to score. But if you put Joe Ingles into that starting lineup, that group is now great. That group has outscored opponents 323 to 264 in 149 minutes. So that group's plus 22. George Hill, Joe Ingles, Gordon Hayward, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert. That may turn out to be your starting lineup for the playoffs at some point here. Then you then you can go, you know, Joe Johnson comes in, you go small, and you've had uh, George Hill, Joe Ingles, Joe Johnson, Gordon Hayward, Rudy Gobert on the floor. That lineup's been good. You put Rodney Hood in, and that lineup's been great. It's played only 63 minutes together, but it's the best lineup the Jazz have. And you just start walking down these different options of lineups, and Boris then playing with Rudy, and they're all good. You start digging into the three-man lineups. I went and ran the numbers on the Jazz top 33-man lineups. There's the top of those... Let me do a little math live. It's not the top 26 three-man lineups that are available for the Jazz in the playoffs are all positive. You don't, you know, every lineup has played of our top guys who've played over 310 minutes together is positive. And positive by a lot. A lot of them are plus 10. Go to the two-man lineups. You're in the same thing. You know, the only lineup that... Like, you go into our big man groups, Rudy and Joe Johnson, plus 10. Boris and Rudy, plus 6. Derek and Rudy, plus 11. Derek and Joe Johnson's minus 1.5. I've said it all year long. That is the key to this season. Can we defend when Rudy Gobert is off the floor? Can we defend when Rudy Gobert is off the floor? It's going to be this key to this, this series. Can Derek Favors go out, guard most Spates on the floor when he tries to stretch, and then take advantage of most Spates' other lack of defense on the other end? That's going to be the key to this series in a lot of ways. Rodney Hood's the other one. Rodney Hood's got to get going. And I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, You look at our wing numbers. We're positive just across the board. Gordon and George together on the floor, plus 10. Gordon and Rodney together on the floor together, plus 5. Joe and Gordon together, plus 9. Gordon and Shelvin together, plus 6. George Hill and Rodney together, plus 9. George Hill and Joe Ingles together, plus 12. Rodney Hood and Joe Ingles together have not been good. 
Uh, Joe Ingles and Shelvin Mack are average. Gordon Hayward, Joe Johnson, plus six. Rodney Hood, Joe Johnson, plus five. Boom, 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 boom. We're coming at you for 48 minutes of straight basketball with no weak lineups. We got a strength to every five-man group we're throwing out there. Doc Rivers, are you ready? Here we come. It's Jazz Clippers playoffs. Is anyone else fired up? Yes, this is going to be so fun. I'm going to go crazy. I got hit in the head. I'm just not right. I'm just simply not right. Something's wrong with me. Are you fired up? Jamie, how fast are you running on that treadmill right now? Sprint it out, Jamie. Loving it. I don't know where I am. But it's just great. The truth is, we've won 52 ga- 51 games by playing, a, having a deep team that was, and I'm not trying to dismiss what Jeff Withy did, and a bunch, which is great. But we're going to get rid of playing guys that we're trying to develop. We're going to get rid of playing guys that, like, we're playing the guys now. The rotation, to me, gets pretty clear. It's probably really hard for Quinn, but pretty clear. George Hill's your point guard. Shelvin, Max, your backup. Okay, Howell Neto probably deserves some time. But Shelvin Mack has played in multiple playoff series in his NBA career, and it matters. And Shelvin Mack has a strength, the right side of the floor, when he gets that little shot off on the right side of the floor, it's good. Now, in the playoffs, teams know that, and so it'll be interesting to see. But and it's not like Shelvin's been great in the playoffs, but Shelvin's played 21 playoff games in 240 playoff minutes. Shelvin averaged about nine minutes a game, or about 12 minutes a game in Atlanta in 2013-14 in their two playoff series, and then the three playoff series to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. The year they won 60 games, he started getting some minutes for Dennis Schroeder, and he played in the playoffs. He didn't shoot great. Most guys don't get better in the playoffs. You know, he's a career 40% player, 34% from three, 67% from the free throw. That's kind of what he is for his career, frankly. But he's been there. He knows what to do. He knows how to handle. He knows the value of every possession. He's not going to be overwhelmed. You know, Chris Paul gets into him. I don't think he's scared of it. There's an element of, frankly, playoffs that gets to be pickup basketball, and Shelvin's like the greatest pickup player of all time, sometimes too much for our liking. But in the playoffs, that actually might be good. Okay, so that's your rotation. Your wings are now Gordon Hayward and Joe Ingles. I'd be surprised. Rodney Hood's not healthy yet. He's not right. So I don't, and and Joe Ingles is playing really well. So I'd be really surprised if we take Joe Ingles out of the rotation as a starter. I I would just now, who guards J.J. Redick? Maybe it's best if it's Joe grabbing and holding and playing that game with J.J. Redick early on. The Rodney Hood, my memory is, has, is, is not played well against the Clippers trying to guard J.J. Redick. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll run those numbers on games in which those two, while we're sitting here, these are things I'll be doing all day long today. Tomorrow's show could just be the most uh, overwhelming uh, amount of you know, prep that any one person has ever heard on the broadcast to, to a level of ad, ad nauseum. Shoot, I just ran Rodney Green instead. But my memory is Rodney Hood has not played well against J.J. Redd in games in which he's had to guard J.J. Redick. Well, because he's running around everywhere and it's tough on him and he's not, he's not a great defensive player, so maybe that's not a great thing to do. Rodney Hood in eight games against J.J. Redick in his career shot 33%. 33%. Okay, four of 13, two of seven, two of 10, six of 13, Four of six, two of six, oh of six, two of five. So maybe Joe Ingles makes a lot of sense there. 
And then, so then you have Rodney coming off the bench, which might help us because we're 29th in the league in scoring in second quarters of games. So maybe you're going to get Rodney going a little bit in second quarters. And now all of a sudden, Rodney's being guarded by Jamal Crawford. Austin Rivers is out the first two games, so maybe it's a Raymond Felton. And all of a sudden, you know, Rodney's got a real advantage, right? Now, now all of a sudden, you you really like what Rodney's bringing. Rodney goes can can take it, take the take it to guys not playing first tier guys, and might just you know crushing people. Their be, their their bench last night was Crawford twenty three minutes, most Spade seventeen, Raymond Felton sixteen. I think that's probably all we're seeing out of there. They're probably playing eight guys. So now Raymond Felton, Jamal Crawford trying to guard Rodney Hood off the bench is probably a pretty good combination for the Jazz. Dante maybe gets a few minutes in there if you need him. Question is, how far can you stretch Rudy Gobert? How far can you stretch Gordon Hayward? Can you take guys who've been averaging 35 and ask them to go play 40 and not wear them out? We got two game, two days off before each game, but 40 is a lot just fatigue-wise in a playoff game on the first to open in there. That's that's a really legitimate question. But if, let's say, you stretch Gordon to 38, now all of a sudden, and you're going to play Joe 30, might be a lot, but I think you probably are. Now all of a sudden, that's 68 minutes of your 96. There's only 28 minutes left. Rodney plays 24 to 26, and Dante plays four. That's how, that's how you and, – and, you know, Dante does some nice things off the ball, but Dante with the ball is going to have a hard time, and they're not going to guard him in the playoffs. You know, they're just not going to guard him. He's going to have to make that shot. Then you got the big man rotation. You're gonna have Gobert's gonna play thirty eight to forty. You've got Joe Johnson's probably gonna play thirty. That's that's kind of our lineup. That's our primary lineup right now. That's seventy of the ninety six. If you're getting twenty six out of Faves, which you'd hope he looks really good the last two days, then there's not a lot of time left for Boris. It's why I wonder if they have to start Faves. Because if you're gonna roll Rudy for thirty eight. You only have that only gives you ten backup center minutes for Derek, and if you're going to get more than twenty four, if you're trying to get twenty some odd minutes out of Derek, you're going to have to do it with Rudy at some point in the game, and maybe with Blake Griffin you start that, and then Boris is the one. But Boris on the other end has this has playoff experience. He knows how to play. He knows what the you know how to handle matchups. He might be able to pull a trick or two early in the ball game on Blake. There's some things that you know. The the hundred plus playoff games that Boris Diaw brings to the table has some value. You know he's played one hundred and eight playoff games. He's played twenty nine hundred playoff minutes. He's played very very well in the playoffs in his career. He's a career fifty six percent true shooting percentage in the playoffs. Career fifty percent playoff shooter. He's very good in the playoffs. So there's a pro, you know. But if you're starting Boris and he's getting six minutes in the first and the third, it's going to be hard to figure out those minutes along the way. Uh, so that's the rotation. Gets pretty interesting to see how that plays. And, you know, the biggest thing is we've got to figure out how we're going to score because we have not been able to score against the Clippers all season long. That's that's the story of of this series is can the Jazz score? You know, you look at the personnel – all right, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Deion, those guys are Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, they're better. DeAndre and Rudy, I'm not sure. Gore, you know, and if you even just go star to star, right? So Chris Paul to Chris Paul to 
Gordon Hayward, probably edge Clippers. Blake Griffin to Rudy Gobert gets close. DeAndre Jordan to our third best player. They get the edge. J.J. Redick to our fourth best player. They might get the edge. And then we start to get the edge. And so how much can players five through nine impact a playoff series? How much can can those guys impact the playoff series? Because we're better, with Austin Rivers out, we're better at each one of those. But when you start to look at, you know, the, the, the year and you look at where the Jazz are, you look at our worst offensive games of the year, they are almost all against the Clippers. Let me see if I can find that for you. Um, but that is the um, – let me see if I can pull this up. I mean, you just – I haven't updated this since in a little while, so it's going to take a second for me probably to update it. Um, but you, you go look at this, and the fact is that this the Jazz have absolutely struggled against the Clippers offensively in a way we haven't struggled against anyone all year. And so that is that is going to be – that is a major, major, major part to this series is simply whether or not the Jazz can find ways to score. The one thing I think is very interesting stylistically about these two teams is the fact that you uh, – is that we play very multiple sets, different ways, different setups, different lines. Different, they play very similar. You have Chris Paul in the ball in his hands at the top every single – play of every single and and you know that and so excuse me and I think that's to our advantage as the series progresses as the series progresses I think that turns out to be to the jazz advantage that we play in different fashions um, in different methods and this is where I think Rodney Hood becomes really really vital is that I, I think the other key to this series is the Jazz ability to have multiple wings on the floor at one time who can score. So you have George Hill, you have Rodney Hood, you have Gordon Hayward, and if Joe Johnson's your four, they've got to find a way to guard all of those guys. That means that if they're trying to play their offensive uh, their offensive group, then what, you're gonna, what they end up having is they having Jamal Crawford or someone of that sort guarding one of those three guys. Raymond Felton, maybe, if Austin Rivers is not available. Uh, Chris Paul is obviously a great defensive player. You get Chris Paul switched, it doesn't do you a lot of good. He's so tough and so good down in the post. But you make Jamal Crawford try to guard Rodney Hood, Rodney Hood should beat him. You know, they'll put Mbamute on Gordon. They're going to put Chris Paul on George Hill. That leaves Rodney Hood's got to go beat Austin Rivers if he plays in the series, and he's got to go beat uh, Raymond Felton. Here's the numbers. Jazz offensive rating for the year is a 107. Their offensive rating against the Clippers in the first game is an 83 Point six. That is the second worst performance we've had all year long against the, except for the fact we went seventy six point seven against the Clippers. Here are our listen. Here are our worst offensive nights of the year: Clippers eighty three point six, Chicago eighty eight point three, Warriors seventy five point seven. These are the only nights we've had all year in which we dropped under ninety. Memphis 89.7, Clippers 97.6, Minnesota the home game where we were terrible, Cleveland where we couldn't score in Cleveland. 
And then in our last game against the Clippers in L.A., we were in 99.0, which isn't great. Our game at home against the Clippers, we, we were good. In the win against the Clippers, we are 128.6. So it's gotten better, but that's going to be the question of the series is whether we can score on it. Today's show is brought to you by Shamrock Auto Group. They bring us the Thursday edition live today of Facebook Live. Uh, Rob Taylor is the owner of Shamrock Auto Group. He had a bunch of car buying, loved cars, into cars all the time. He actually, the story is he went into a car dealer, he knew exactly what he wanted, and it just became this cumbersome mess. He's like, there's got to be a better way to do this. So he got into it, he went and found one of his best buddies who's a mechanic, and they opened Shamrock Auto Group. And the cool thing about having a mechanic as his general manager is that when they go and buy cars and buy uh, uh, get deals. They know exactly what they're getting. They have no problems with it, and that's why they have such great customer service uh, reactions to it. They specialize in Chevy and Buick and Ford and Chrysler and Dodge, Cadillac, Honda, Toyota, Nissan, Mazda, Acura, Lexus. If there's something that you want, they'll go find it for you. If they have something that's in stock, even better. And they're going to give you a really good experience. He prides himself that, one, you'll get an outdoor, out-the-door pricing in five minutes. Two, test drive by yourself. Three, buying experience under an hour. Four, full-service can-do financing in-house with extended warranties, value-driven, and a Carfax report on every car. Most of the cars are six to nine, six to 12 months old, about five to 20,000 miles on it, Suburbans, Yukons, big SUVs, uh, all minivans, all there for you, reliable sedans. Uh, if you look at it's got some accuracy there. Uh, and they'll take care of you. Uh, people come from out of state to get the deals with Shamrock Auto Group. Check it out for yourself. Give them a call at 801-319-2250. That's 801-319-2250. Salespeople are helpful and nice. There's no pressure. That's the comments straight off a of Google review. So go check it out for yourself. Shamrock Auto Group. If you're considering purchasing a truck or a car in the next few weeks or know someone who is, give Rob a call at 801-319-2250. All right, let's get to your questions on our Facebook Live edition. Uh, how healthy is Hood and in, Hill? Uh, I thought George looked okay the last few days. No back-to-backs is good. Uh, Rodney, I just think we'll have to see. He just has not played consistently long enough and be reliable. It's a part of the reason why I think you probably just keep Joe Ingles in the starting lineup and then see if Rodney can help the, the second team. Uh Joe Ingles played a huge role in this team. Is it difficult to imagine that we would be the same team without him? What would it take to re-sign him? Look at that. Ryan Dangerfield's worrying about the offseason on the eve of the playoffs. Uh, it's going to take a lot. I think he's going to get paid. He shot 44% from three. He's showing a versatility one through four. Uh, I'm sure we'd love to have him back. Quinn thinks he's fabulous. and so, But I don't. it's going to take a lot. It's going to be hard to do. Any chance the playoff schedule changes at all with a Sunday game in Utah? No, no chance at all. What's my favorite coffee shop to visit on the road? Uh, Intelligentsia in Abikini in L.A. is terrific. It's probably the one of the best. What's else? There's a bunch we really like. Um, Igor and I usually go to coffee together. We have some favorites. Where uh, Elemental in Oklahoma City, of all things. Listen to me. Say something nice about Oklahoma City. Elemental in Oklahoma City might be my best. Publix here in Salt Lake is as good as we get to anywhere on the road. Um, where else? Blue Bottle in San Francisco. It's kind of cliche at this point. Temple in Sacramento is great. So that would be it. Temple. Elemental Intelligentsia would be my three favorite coffee shops uh, along. And I'm a big fan of Water Avenue in Portland as well. How's that? 
sending you a helmet to keep you safe for the playoffs. My wife's in the other room. She probably can hear me. She's probably laughing at that. She's laughing at all of this. She thinks it's hysterical. Uh, you have not been shy to talk about Trey Lyles and his mental health with comparing him to himself to others like Devin Booker. How does he and others feel about you talking about your take on their struggles? I have not asked him, but Trey's just not Trey Lyles right now. Like, I mean, I, I would go, I would say this to Trey. Like, he's not Trey Lyles. He's just, he's just disappointed and checked out and he's not engaged. And it's even in his four minutes last night, he just made plays that are just not who he is as a player. He's, I'm just hoping the reset in the offseason gets him going again. And, and he's really so skilled, so talented. I still completely believe in him as a player. But who we're watching right now um, is, is not the guy that was drafted nor the guy that played all of last year. Uh, last night, the Spurs were trying to take the lob from Rudy away. It seemed to me the Jazz adapted by throwing a bounce pass instead of a lob. Am I up in the night? No, I mean, teams. that's a good point, Israel. Uh, teams are going to take that away, and now you're going to – this is where, again, Rodney gets big. You know, there was a play where they took it away and then it kicked out to Joe Johnson, and Joe Johnson penetrated and flipped to the corner for a three. It was a gorgeous play, and that's what you're going to have to see. You're going to see that ball movement. They're going to take Rudy's roll away. They're going to suck into it. It takes two guys to do it, really. you got to have somebody coming on the backside, so then if you stay with the play and move it, they're now scrambling, and you should be able to score. That's going to be the key play to the whole series. I think Softy's still doing the afternoon drive in Seattle, Aaron. Uh, Brandon Whiteside, how do you think our offense will be when we play the same team for seven games and are scouted? Does Quinn have other wrinkles that we haven't seen that he is going to implement in the offense? So much of our offense is read-based that if the guys execute the reads Quinn's put in, it should be fine based on what they're doing. Now, I don't know. We've never seen our offense scouted for seven games. We have all this movement and all this action. We get late in the shot clock a lot. And if teams are suddenly blowing it up, we're getting the late shot clock more. And does that stymie us? I think that's a concern. I know I have talked to some people who believe that this offense will struggle in the playoffs. And I think there's other people who believe that it will work better. Mike D'Antoni, not one of the people I talked to, believes that you can't run stuff in the playoffs because teams know everything you run. So they scout all your plays and they'll blow everything up. So you better play one-on-one. I think Quinn would tell you he believes that his team will be able to read to what the defense does and everything in his system has a reaction to the defense and we should be able to um, react to it correctly. It's a great question. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, if we get swept, do you think G pulls a KD and signs with a team that beat him? Um, no. I don't think he signs with Clippers. They don't have any money. Well, I guess they, they, they let a bunch of guys go. I don't. Arena remodel. Trust fund, 20-year reunion, 51 wins, crazy injuries, an all-star, potential defense player in the playoffs. How special is this year? Great point, Travis. Great year. After Lindsey and Quinn, even more of Wizards than we think in how they executed the games down the stretch and are healthy at the right time. It, it has turned out that we may be as healthy as all year, which is was the goal. Quinn was very clear about that the last seven or eight games of the year. Turned out to not matter. The Clippers, you know, once we lost to the Clippers and didn't win a few of those road games, and the Clippers, to their credit, didn't lose a game down the stretch. Um, you know, the Clippers are really the Clippers are really clicking. Give give the Clippers a a tremendous amount of credit right now um, in how they're playing. They they have they have certainly clicked in at the right time. And and we should be pretty. We'll dig into it more tomorrow. We should feel pretty daunting about what we have up ahead against us. Uh, the Clippers for the first 20 games of the year were as good as any team in the NBA but the Warriors. 
And then the last seven games, they've been great. I, I don't worry about the last games. I, I go back to the beginning of the year. The, their play at the beginning of the year is always the beginning of the year is the best indicator on on what you're going to see out of a team for the playoffs. And the fact that they are that they have played that well uh, when it mattered early in the year, when everyone's healthy, uh, I think is a real indicator about what we're about to see. And it, it could be it could be really tough. And they've been there before. They know what to do. They've been through this. This, you know, let's not kid ourselves. We're really good. I think we might be a lot better than anyone realizes. Uh, but they also might be a lot better than anyone realizes. That's what I think's the jumps out to me about this series more than any other is I think both these teams may be far better. And I, the Clippers, if they didn't have such a mojo issue uh, in their just complete inability to play the Warriors, I think could give them some problems. Um, hey, Jamie Cheney, our, our uh, pin across the world, um, has sent me a little note. Uh, I think your comments about Dante and Shelvin lit a fire in them. Okay, maybe. I don't know what I said about them. How excited are the guys about the playoffs? What's the mood in the building right now? So happy to be back in the postseason. No, I mean, these guys are ready to go. And particularly George and Joe and Boris, who've done it before, and even Shelvin on our postgame interview the other day was really ready to go. How short a rotation does Snyder use in the playoffs? I think I broke that down earlier in the show. Um, but I think he'll be willing to do, you know, whatever he needs to. Uh, the Clippers that scares me the most is Jamal Crawford. So it's interesting. I would say the clip that he does, I understand that because on a given night, Jamal Crawford can just go, but he's also the one who I think can lose them the most games. And the numbers say that more often than he, than not, he, he doesn't have a good game. So I, I'm not as terrified on the Jamal Crawford element of things. Um, he's certainly experienced. And what I don't know is, because I've never prepped for them in this way, is what his playoff history is. You know, he, he plays such a different style game. I would suspect that he's just the same player in the playoffs that um, that he's hard to defend. But I'm going to look it up right now. He has played 62 playoff games. His career shooting average in the playoffs is 38% from the field and 31 from three. His last two years, <clears throat> well, I, I'm, I'm less worried about Jamal Crawford now. The last two years in the playoffs, Jamal Crawford is 22 of 95 from three for 23%. <clears throat> teams know he's there. That's he, He's the kind of player in the playoffs that teams know are there. We need to wrap this up so I can start digging into prep. Uh, is it crazy for me to believe that the Jazz are better off starting in L.A.? I feel like the pressure is off. You know what? Let's believe that because that's the only thing that could possibly happen at this point. So let's absolutely go with that. If you were Exum, Burks, Lyles, wouldn't you want to leave this team after this year? I guess. I mean, sure. I play better. Snyder pulling his starters in the fourth was interesting. First, it made me mad. Then I thought about it like a chess match. Any chance he did it to send a message to – no, he just didn't want, to, he didn't want his players to be healthy, and he was pretty certain the Clippers were going to beat the Kings, and they did. Um. What I'll do cl- pack Clipper pack tomorrow. Um, let's see. Uh, you can not have a cup of what I'm having. Or you have to order it from Clatch. Uh, let's see. Some more questions trying to get to him. Lori, who's in L.A., says the Clippers are starting to look like they're aging. 
Andy says, I'm sure one of our goals is to steal one of the first two. Is there one of them that's more susceptible? The first, the home team wins like 80% of game ones, but the problem is you almost have to win game one to win the series. Is Exum's best long-term position shooting guard? Probably. Uh, considering Mac is a free agent likely to leave, does Dante get time off the ball in the playoffs to set him up? You don't, nothing in the playoffs will be done for any consideration other than that game. There will not be one thing done in the playoffs about offseason, free agency, future development. Switch your gears. We've done that for five years. That's over. There will be nothing that takes place in the playoffs for one second. Is Neto going to be available? I don't know, but it sounds like he might be. Um, uh, You say early season play correlates to how much teams play in the playoffs. Well, the Clippers were great early while the Jazz were only around 6th or 8th. That is true. Also, uh, Hayward was out the first seven games. Uh, Whoever said I'm having Starbucks, that is not true. Have not had it. Will not have it. Do not drink it. Uh, am I more or less confident in our coaching staff's ability to out-scheme our opponent over seven-game series? Uh, if brains are involved, I'm taking Quinn Snyder. Never done it before, though, but I, I'm not too worried about Quinn. Joe Johnson will be huge in the series. The days off are going to help. You are right. And given the recent history of these two teams playing each other, it's going to be chippy for sure. Yep, how long until Joe Ingles is in something? Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be super, super fun and definitely excited uh, for it. All right, that is today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Thank you very much for tuning in, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you very much to uh, to Shamrock Auto Group for spot. Someone wants to know if Scotty and I have hugged it out. No. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. But there's a chance, actually let me look right now, that I'm going to drop right now for you to make this podcast even longer. The interview I did with uh, DJ and PK here on the program. Uh, So I've I've tried to build a folder in which these guys will drop me these interviews. And it looks as though today's is up. So therefore, now let's go. Thanks to Shamrock Auto Group and Rob uh, Taylor. Not Rob Thomas. Rob Taylor, give me a call at 801-319-2250. Remember, Blue Apron is L-O-C-K-J-A-Z-Z. No E, L-O-C-K-J-A-Z-Z. And SeatGeek, if you're coming out to L.A. to go to the games, L-O-Jazz is your promo code to get $20 back. Here is my conversation with DJ and PK from this morning on 1280 The Zone. You can catch them every morning, 6 to 10. see the replay on that. We'll try to see if we can get it when we come back. Jazz by 9. 157. Left in the set. Oh my god. <laughs> Jazz blast. Is we played something if someone's listening to the radio. Thank goodness we got halftime here in a second. I'm going to need it. So for those of you I, don't, I apologize. I have no idea if I said anything or anything at all. But they shoot t-shirts out of the gun here in the building, and and I got hit by one. I'm sorry, I'm really kind of out of it right now. 
David Locke joining us now. Knocked out by linen, as one of our <laughs> listeners said. Pretty funny. You needed a standing eight count there, David. It sounded like it hurt. Um, the only thing I can tell you is you all can be laughing, but none of you are laughing as much as my wife is laughing at me. Like, she hasn't stopped yet. Like, she heard about it, woke up deliriously laughing, made fun of me all morning. So none of you are laughing as hard as my wife is laughing right now. Good. She thinks it's legitimately the funniest thing she's ever heard in her whole life. Getting knocked out by a T-shirt. Hashtag soft culture. <laughs> it's good. They're all good. Did not. I will say this. Thank God it wasn't one of those balls. You know when they shoot the balls out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah I'm, the, I'm done for like a week if that happened or longer. Oh, man. All right. Well, we're glad I never you saw I, I mean, you can hear. I never saw it. Like, it wasn't one of those things like where, oh, wow, I like moved my head and thought maybe, you know, like, oh, I didn't like. I had my head down looking at the replay on how Hayward got hit. And next thing I knew, I was falling over. And there's a chair behind me, so I think that's part of what happened. But, um, yeah, it was a little unique experience. We're glad you survived. Yeah. All right, it was so really weird if I was taken out by women. You had a theory. Before we get to the playoffs, you had a theory on the regular season and injuries, and I'm having a hard time buying it. you got to talk me into it because I'm not there. The Jazz win 51 games, but you've got some numbers or you've read some numbers somebody else has. says they're healthy, they win nine more, and they're a 60-win team. David, 60 wins. I know the Warriors and Spurs make it look easy, but that is rarefied air. That's hard to get there. There are championship teams that have not won 60 games. Lots of them. When they were healthy, they played to a 60-win team. Um, I might throw something out. To, sh- to show that to people online today, so keep an eye out for it. Um, I guess the best way I could do it is just you start looking at some of their lineup combinations and, and who- what they've done when they've had different guys in the form. And the 11-1 and one we all know about when they actually have their starting lineup. Uh, if we just go to simply when George Hill starts, I think they were 32-16. and 16. Uh, if- I think that's right. I, I, don't yeah, I think you're right. That's the, that's the neighborhood. All right, so thirty. Well, that's a fifty-five win team just with just by solving the George Hill injury. Um, and the best way I could probably give it to you is just if you just look at just like look, look at two-man lineups for a second. So when Favors and Gobert are on the floor together, the Jazz have the best defensive rating of any two-man group in the NBA. It's ninety-six point two, and they're plus eleven during those periods of time. When Favors is out, that means that then we play Boris Dia with Rudy Gobert is the, is the first one you notice. And that group's actually okay. It's not plus 10, it's plus 6, or plus 11, which is the other. It's plus 6. So that, you're a little less good there. Where it, the injuries become noticeable is that then, and I thought Jeff Withy really did a great job this year, but now all of a sudden, you know, instead of having Derek Favors on the floor, you have Jeff Withy on the floor and and Jeff Withy is playing with, you know, Trey Lyles or Boris Diaw or Joe Johnson. And if you dig into some of those numbers, when Boris Diaw and Jeff Withy played together, the Jazz were minus 12 per 100 possessions. And when Boris Diaw and Joe Johnson played together, the Jazz were minus 11 in those possessions, uh, minus 11 per 100 possessions. And so 
it's that trickle-down effect that what we saw last night, which has to get everyone excited for the playoffs, is when this team has a full rotation, you just never have any of those lineups where you feel like you're, you know, you're trying to hold it together. Trey Lyles and Jeff Withy together for uh, over 200 minutes this year was minus seven per 100 possessions. And, and so those, we're just never going to see those. I mean, if the groups that we're actually going to see on the floor in the playoffs, the, the Jazz are, are virtually positive in every single one of them. And that, to me, gets pretty darn exciting. So do they have their health right now to where you wanted it to be? Oh, probably not. I mean, George Hill, we'll see. Um, I think the conditioning is going to be a real issue for him. Uh, and let's, you know, I, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty excited about Derek, actually. And now maybe I'm going to turn out to be wrong on that. But just no more back-to-backs. The two times he's played recently when he didn't play a back-to-back, he's looked really good. Frankly, he looked fairly good even before he sat out for a while um, when he didn't play back-to-backs. And then Rodney, I'm not certain about. Um, he just doesn't seem to have... I loved how aggressive he was last night. I don't care that it didn't go in. I, I love the fact that he came out and was firing and trying to shoot and and try to find looks. I thought that was a good sign because there's an athleticism and, and feeling right to who you are to be able to get those looks. But uh, unfortunately, Rodney has not been as reliable this year as last year, and I'm just not that's the one I would probably be concerned. But they feel it feels healthier uh, than it has before. I was hoping for uh, one less game in the first week uh, than the Jazz got. I didn't, the schedule didn't break quite the way I'd hoped it would for the Jazz. I was, last year the Clippers played Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, and I was hoping that that's what we got because I thought that would help us even more. But, you, you know, you can't open for everything. So if there's one real reason, the easiest reason to doubt the Jazz in this series – it's that they struggled with the Clippers in the first two games. Clippers won them pretty easily. Jazz won the third game. They played that fourth time. We had a feeling that that could decide who got home court. And the Jazz got beat pretty soundly in that game in L.A. And so you look at the box score for that game. Now, Favors didn't play, but everybody else did. Hood struggled, and you just kind of indicated you think he still he still may end up struggling. Uh, Gordon Hayward only shot a single free throw in the game, uh, only scored 13 points. Gobert had a big game. Do you think this team is ready for this moment and the guys you expect to come up big, like Gobert, Hayward, Hill, are, are they going to? I don't really have any way to answer that question. I mean... I think Gordon's matured. I think George Hill and Boris and Joe have been there before. I, I think Rudy's played big moments. Um, but are they really ready for what they're about to embark upon? I, uh, that's a great question. And I, I think, uh, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's clear. Uh, we'll, I, we'll find out. You know, there's some school of thought. I thought this was interesting about home court. And in this scenario gets awfully hard to win a series, but. The Jazz don't know what they're embarking upon, so to actually have home court and get beat in game one when the Clippers do know what they're embarking upon would have been a real, you know, you you suddenly, you know, part of your advantage goes. The other angle on that was someone said to me is, do you, do you think there's, if this thing gets to game seven, does, doesn't the Clippers experience overtake them? Now, some of the Clippers experience is bad, so mm-hmm. I think that yeah. gets interesting in the series. That's what the question to me is is at what point can you pull the scab on the scar tissue of the Clippers and have all that years of 
failure going back to Memphis a few years ago and then Oklahoma City when Chris Paul commits all the injuries and then the debacle against Houston. When do you, when does that, when does that perk into their minds and how do you get that to become a part of the series? Because if the Jazz can get that to become part of the series, they're in pretty good shape. If he plays as well as he can, can Hayward be the best player on the floor in this first series? I don't think so. I think Blake is. Okay. I'm a big Blake fan, though. Probably bigger than most. I think he's... I feel like Chris Paul has stymied Blake Griffin from the player he could be. Uh, And I feel like the two times... Uh, February of, what, three years ago when Chris Paul was out, and this year when Blake came back from injury and Chris Paul was out, we, we've seen that. Um, and that player, to me, is uh, pretty dominating. When he has to kind of play stationary and it's not really a post-up player anymore and uh, take that mid-range jumper all the time and play outside with athleticism, he's not as awesome Uh and and so, uh, but when he kind of gets free reign and they let him rebound and go and, and do some of the things. I mean, in February of this year, he averaged 26.9 rebounds and six assists a game, shooting 51% from the field. And that's when Chris Paul was out. He was, I mean, he was just brilliant. Uh, and then Chris Paul comes back and he goes back to, you know, 19 points and he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And so I, I think if, if, if Blake is set free, um, I think he becomes a he he has the ability to be the best player on the floor. The other one, you know, let's not forget about Rudy. Rudy's been pretty dominant at times. I was about to ask you: Is there any chance uh, DeAndre Jordan can check Gobert uh, in the game I was talking about, where the stakes were the highest? It was late in the season. Gobert twenty six points on ten of thirteen shooting, fourteen boards, a couple of blocks. He did have the four turnovers. I know the turnovers, yeah, Quinn Snyder will always mention those. They drive nuts sometimes. But uh, that's, that's a pretty solid game. Is Gobert going to be the best big man on the floor? Set aside the four. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, now DeAndre's really good. So the, to some extent, I don't know what the opposite. PK probably has the words for this. Like they always say they negate each other. Like I would actually phrase it the exact opposite. They're both so positive that I don't think you can – take away the positive impact of either DeAndre Jordan or Rudy Gobert. Uh, the free throws get interesting with DeAndre, though, still. I mean, I haven't looked at it recently, but final five minutes of a close game this year, I believe he's shooting 36%. Last, last I checked, I mean, this is, you know, a few weeks, what, we played them on March 25th. So as of March 25th, DeAndre Jordan was about 39%, 38% in close games in the final five minutes. I mean, when do you, when does Hackershack or Hacker DeAndre play into this Series, I think I think that's an important aspect that Quinn's got to figure out strategy wise, and um, you probably hate to have Game One be uh, impacted by it. On the other level, you probably love to send the message right in the first opening portion of the game, the minute you can. Uh, I think my side of the would be that the very first minute you go into the penalty and DeAndre Jordan's in the game, I foul him. And just send the message right away. We're willing to do this at any point, at any time, because I think it impacts what he does when he then starts getting fearful of getting to the line when he grabs rebounds. And if he doesn't have a tip jam, he tips it back out because he doesn't want to collect the rebound because he doesn't want to be fouled. I think, you, I think you've got to send the message in the first seconds of the 
first second you can in the playoff series, we're willing to foul you at any moment. You might not, you might not play hack hack of her, you know, more than two possessions at that point. But, uh, you know, we go into the penalty. I might check Jeff with you into the game and tell him to foul DeAndre for three possessions and then move on, just as a message. Sometimes because of injuries and whatever other reasons there might be, Quinn's rotations were scattered and weren't necessarily sure from game to game, and now we get into postseason and rotations usually tighten up. Do you have any insight as far as what lineups he's going to use more often? I thought we saw it last night, and I thought it looked awesome. Um, so the key ones are we. I, I think uh, what we saw with the starting lineup may stay. I mean, they've been playing together for a while, and they've been playing well, and you know, Boris trying to guard Blake Griffin, it's a little bit of a tough assignment, but on the other end, you know, Boris knows about a lot, is pretty crafty and might be able to be get into Blake's skin a little bit and bother him a little bit here and there. Uh, you know, at some point, if Derek is playing close to the top of his game, then you probably need to put Derek into that uh, position. Joe Ingles has been so good to this team and, and the way he's played. Uh, at that position, and ball movers are particularly important. And, you know, so neither Rodney or Derek are all the way healthy yet, so as, as long as that's the case, you probably leave that part. But then I thought we just saw a lot of different things last night. We saw a lineup that I love. It's played 62 minutes together going into last night, uh, which is, and actually now I guess it only played a little bit more, is Rudy, Gordon Hayward, George Hill, Rodney, and Joe Johnson. So it's George, Rodney, Joe, Gordon, Joe Johnson before with Rudy, that group has outscored opponents 154 to 123 this year in 63 minutes. You know, that's that's a pretty fabulous group. Uh, we you know we have the Favors and uh, Gobert lineup together. We saw that for a few minutes, and that's going to have value depending on how you combine. If you put that lineup out there with Joe Ingles, so let's say you throw Favors into the starting lineup, that group's played 149 minutes and outscored. Um, Opponents by forty, by, excuse me, by thirty-three points in that. You know, three twenty. Oh no, I'm sorry, way off. They've outscored opponents three hundred twenty-three to two sixty-four. So they're plus fifty-nine in one hundred and fifty minutes with Derek Favors in for Boris Diaw in that starting lineup. So maybe that becomes the lineup, you know, soon into the playoffs. So I, I think there's just a lot of different things we're going to see, and I think, and I love the versatility. I think your wing minutes. Right now, I think George Hill and Shelvin Mack are your point guard minutes, and Nato gets healthy, you might make a change there. I think your wing minutes are Hayward, Hood, Ingles, and any extras are going to Dante. And I think your big men minutes are Rudy, uh, Joe Johnson, predominantly Derek Favors, and then any of the extra go to Boris Diaw. And I think that's your that's your lineup and how you play it. And it's pretty terrific. There's not a weakness in there. And I thought last night it was interesting that every five-man lineup we had on the floor had clear, distinct strengths to what they could do. Okay, just before we let you go, you've kind of touched on this, but I really want you to spell it out. Uh, Joe Johnson has been winning over Jazz fans with every passing month. But it's all, I've always felt like they're kind of holding back on him and kind of limiting him. And is it because they were saving him for this minute or it's because at this point in his career that's all he can do? Or are we about to see him for like 35 minutes a night and they're just going to play him full, just full bore and get whatever he's got to give, they're going to get it out of him? So that's, a, I think the first thing that happened was Gordon's injury. So when Gordon got hurt, then Joe Johnson suddenly had to play the three. You know, Quinn keeps saying until I figured out how to use Joe Johnson, this is, 
this is Quinn being ridiculously humble. I have an interview with Quinn Snyder done in the preseason that I did big feature on the Jazz, and he talked about Joe Johnson as a four. He absolutely know, knew he wanted to play Joe Johnson at the four all year long. But when Gordon got hurt early, and then the quest to try to get Trey Lyles going, um, if you play Joe at the four, Trey Lyles is not playing early in the year. So Quinn knew exactly what he was doing. And then since All-Star break, obviously – uh, they've moved him. Here's the number on Joe Johnson that talks to your point of them saving him and maybe at this point in his career, him needing to be saved a little bit. In de- when Joe has had two or more days rest this year, so that's happened in 16 games um, over the season, uh, from three points, he's 24 of 50. So about 50% with two or more days rest, and he's 52% from the field. And he averages 11 points a game, three rebounds, and two assists. He's, he's, he, you know, he's, he's actually shooting 40% from three kind of across the board, even on days, 15 games he played with no days rest. But you suddenly have the first few games of this series, you've got two, games, two days rest before each one. I do think we see Joe Johnson rolling out there for lots of minutes. Uh, and I think that's where this rotation gets really tight, and it's where you might have to decide that you're going to start favors because – if Joe is suddenly playing 30-plus minutes and Gobert's playing, what do you put in Gobert to, 38 for the playoffs? Then that's suddenly 68 of your 96 minutes. Um, you only have 28 remaining minutes. Favors is playing 24 of those. Boris Diaz now down to four. If you start Boris Diaz, then Derek's down to 18 minutes a night. And if Derek's good, you got to play him more than 18 minutes a night. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot, and uh, we will hear you on the air Saturday night. Stay out of the way of those T-shirt guns, okay? I'm, I will be far better prepared than I was last night for um, projectile items. David Locke, vo- radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.